Well, good morning, everybody. For those of you I do not know, my name is Mike. It's an honor to welcome you here to North Stars. We begin a brand new series in some ways. In another way, we pick up where we left off last week, but we're really, really glad you're here. You had a lot of places you could have been, a lot of things you could have been doing this morning, and it wasn't raining on a Sunday morning. Aren't you glad it wasn't raining? How about a big round of applause? for no rain this morning. Holy moly. I got up early and it was still drizzling, but I looked out a few minutes ago like it cleared off. But we are really, really glad you are here today. So I want you to do me a favor. Go ahead and take your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. That's where we're going to be camping out for the next few weeks in this resurrecting series. It's where we left off last week. Also, if you have access to the notes, uh, you were given a little sheet on the way in. You can write notes on there, or you can take a picture down there. You can scan that QR code, takes you to our app, or go to North Star Church Georgia in the App Store. Easiest way to follow along because it does give you some places to fill in, um, and it's going to be fun. So let's pause real quick. Last weekend was amazing. Uh, Easter weekend, we had six services over Easter weekend. Crazy, packed. Over 4,000 people joined us over those days. Would y'all give the Lord a hand for the work he did last week? It was incredible how many texts I got, how many emails I got, even about Ryan's story, just people talking about being set free, just some, just some things in their personal lives they need to be set free from, let alone those that crossed that line of faith last week. It was, it was an awesome, awesome week. So, Let's pick up where we left off last week. If the resurrection is real, it changes everything. Paul's whole premise in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is, if the resurrection really happened, it should change everything about how we live our lives. We don't believe here at North Star that the resurrection is meant to be celebrated one day a year. We believe that the resurrection is meant to be lived out 365 days a year, and it affects how we parent. It affects what kind of uh, employers we are, what kind of workers we are, what kind of students we are, what kind of leaders we are. The resurrection changes everything if it's real. So let, let's, let's circle back. Last, last week we found the ladies going to the tomb on Friday. Here's what everybody knew on Friday. Jesus died on the cross. So it was, the Romans did not leave it up to chance that a person could leave that cross alive. They left that cross dead. Right? That's the way they did it. So remember when they would stick the spear in the side? That was sort of the, the final look, but they would put the nails in the feet, and they did that. So if a person did work their way off that cross, they were crippled. They couldn't get around. The lashes that they had taken would brand them as a criminal. They know Jesus died on that cross because they watched his body be laid in a tomb, and they would wrap him in the cloths, there were over a hundred pounds of spices and cloth that he was 
wrapped up in on that Friday, and they laid him in that tomb. Well, we know that the ladies got up early on Sunday morning. They were not going to see a resurrected body. They were going to anoint the body and to put aloes and for the smell and the decomposition and all that had happened. And they went in there, and the stone was rolled back, and those clothes that he had been wrapped in were all laid everywhere. And the napkin that had covered his face, one of the Gospels tells us, had been folded up. And they found out from the angel that was, there, that was there that he was indeed risen. And then they had multiple encounters with this Savior over the next 40 days. The, the, the uh, apostles did, as well as the ladies that were following him, as well as the people, over 500 people in that community. And so this story, all right, let's just get a grab. How many of y'all have ever been to a funeral before? Raise your hand if you've been to a funeral. How many of you have three days later, you ran into that person again at Kroger or Publix? Will you go around talking about it? Raise your hand if that'd be true, all right? So I would too. So all these people that had watched Jesus die, now they see him resurrected. So you can imagine it begins to spread like wildfire. These apostles, these disciples are going, you aren't going to believe this. He was dead. He is raised. This changes everything. you got to believe the story. And they begin to tell the story. And the, and the gospel we read in the book of Acts begins to trickle out and gets all the way to Corinth. Corinth was a major center, a Greek city center. And when it got to Corinth, there were believers. But then there were people who didn't believe. And that non-belief is beginning to infiltrate this church. And Paul writes this letter to this church because he's beginning to hear, well, the whole resurrection thing. We really don't know if we buy into that. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Would y'all stand with me in honor of reading God's word together? First Corinthians chapter 15 at verse number 12. So if you're new to North Star, you started coming last week and you are, you are reading along with us. And if at any point I'm saying something you're not reading, just look up. Or I'm chatting and I run my mouth a lot. Here we go. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 12. Paul writes these words. But tell me this. All right, time out real quick. I don't see Paul with a pen in his mouth leaning back going, hmm, I wonder what I should write. I see Paul trying to get every passion in his body on paper. I see Paul writing this like it might be his last letter. But tell me this, since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying there is no resurrection from the dead? So it's gotten in the church. For if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all of our preaching is, what's the next word? And your faith is what? No resurrection, useless life. That's what he's saying. If you take out the resurrection out of the story, it's useless. It's vanity. And we apostles... We would all be lying about God, for we have said that God raised Christ from the dead. But that can't be true if there's no resurrection of the dead. And if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who died believing in Christ are, what's the next word? 
And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. You know what Paul's saying? You've got to figure out what the resurrection means to you. If it's real, changes everything. If it's not real, we're wasting our time. Why are we here? Why do we take time to get up and come to church if it's not real? For some of us, we believe it, we think. I believe that when his spear of that resurrection captures our heart, it gives us a passion and a faith we've never had before. And that's what we're gonna talk about today. Right where you're standing, would you just ask the Lord to show you where you are today, would you? Father, you hear our prayers. Show us where we are. God, I pray we leave here with passion burning in our bones. Because if the resurrection is real, our faith can look different too. So God, give us eyes to see ears to hear, and hearts to believe what you have in store for us today. And God, we ask this now, in Jesus' name, amen. Before you're seated, find two or three people around you, high five them, welcome them to North Star, and you can be seated. How many of you, when you, were, uh, when you were growing up, you had a parent, a mom, or a dad that when they would, like, when they found something, they were like a dog on a bone. I mean, they, they weren't going to let you out. Like, they would say it, and they'd say it again, and they'd say it again, and you're like, okay, I got it now. And they'd say it again. How many of y'all had a parent like that? Raise your, raise your hand. All right, I had a mama like that. Like, when she got something on her brain... She was going to make sure that you knew good and well what was on her mind. There was no, there was no gray in the, in the household growing up. Paul was like that. Paul's writing to this church going, I hear some of you are doubting the resurrection. Let me tell you the problem with that. That's what Paul's doing. If you doubt the res- if you doubt the historical resurrection of Jesus that he laid in a tomb on a Friday and on a Sunday morning he got up and he conquered sin and death then we got a problem that's what Paul's saying. So what is he saying? If the resurrection didn't happen three things. These are real quick. We're going to hit them real quick. Our Lord would be a liar. Jesus would be a liar. Because Jesus said he'd come back on the third day. Our Lord would be a liar. And if he's a liar, he has no ability to die for sins because he's a sinner, because he's a liar. Our Lord would be a liar. If the resurrection didn't happen. Not only would our Lord be a liar, 
our messages would be meaningless. They would just be good fire-up pregame speeches for what? Why are we here? To get you through next week? I hope it's more than that. Paul's going, if, if the resurrection didn't happen, am I just giving you some good human platitudes that you can grow by and live by with good moral codes to help you be a better person? They're like self-help seminars, you know, they come and go and you get different people in different generations that become the voice of that generation. And those are all great, I have no problem with them, but they are what they are. They help you live a better life here, but they don't affect your life there. Does that make sense to everybody? And I love, listen, there's nothing more that I love in the world than a good, fiery locker room talk. Like, that's one of my favorite things in the world that gets a team ready for a game. The problem with a fiery locker room talk it usually lasts till about the first hit of the game, and then you figure out who's good and who's bad. The locker room talk's sort of gone at that point, right? You, we got some baseball coaches in the room. We can get the team all fired up, and if a guy's throwing over 90 and hitting the spots, it's going to be a long afternoon, no matter how excited you are about the game. And so it, that, that's all that it is, is just a good, fiery locker room talk or a historical great speech. Like I have a podcast downloaded, The Greatest Speeches of All Time by John Meacham. And he goes back in history and listens to the Kennedy Address and Martin Luther King and lists all these great speeches, the Ronald Reagan uh, speech. It's phenomenal, but they're great speeches. If the resurrection didn't happen, our messages are meaningless. Paul says they're useless. That's what he says in the passage. I'll be honest, if the resurrection isn't true, why in the heck are you here? Why would you get up and come on a Sunday morning? Why don't you get out of bed, clear your calendar to spend time at church? For what? The third part about it is our faith would be futile. The rest of our lives would be left to chance. The rest of our story would be left to, I hope I was good enough to earn my way to whatever's next. You ever heard this said, I hope I lived a morally good life and I was a good person. But I, I don't know, there's no guarantees our faith would be futile. If Christ has not been raised from the dead, your faith is useless. But if he has, and I'm going to say something, don't take it personal, Hope I, you know I love you, I think there's a lot of us, that we sort of buy in, but we're not all bought in. Like, we believe it enough to keep coming on Sunday because this was what we've done. But we know it doesn't matter because Monday to Saturday still look the same. I believe when the power of the resurrection lives in your life, your Monday to Saturday look different. Would y'all agree with that? I believe it changes everything about you. It changes how you live out your faith. Mike, that offends me. 
I'm sorry. I mean, I really am. Sorry it does. But here's the deal. Paul's writing to a church going, I hear there's some of you that are starting to buy into this nonsense that the resurrection didn't happen. And Paul said, I'm telling you, I saw him on the road to Damascus. But here's what we all have in common. We have this in common. Many in the church in Corinth never met Jesus. They never physically met Jesus. They didn't see him. Some of them did. Most of them did not see him with their own eyes, like Thomas had and like James had and like Paul had. They were believing by faith like you and I have. I've never physically seen Jesus. But I've met him. So what does that mean? Three things. All right, we're going to sit on these for a second. I've carved out some time to sort of process these things. Number one, I can have his power in my life. So if the resurrection is really real, I can have his power in my life. The resurrection power, it's talked about all through the New Testament, can exist in my life while I go to work every day at the bank or the school or the real estate office or the law office or the police headquarters, wherever we go every day. That resurrection power can live and flow through us if it's real. I can have his power in my life. I want you to look at what Paul says. Paul says, and if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless. So, but if he has, look at what he wrote to the church at Philippi. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear, for God is working in you, giving you the what? What's the next word? And the what? To do what pleases him. All right, let's, let's just talk about this real quick. This world is a tough place. Can I get an amen on that? It's tough. And I'm, I've got a massive positive outlook of life. And I'm positively sure it's tough, all right? That's what I'm telling you. Life's tough. So yesterday, I stood at an altar at 10 a.m. wedding. I ain't done one of those lately, all right? And so I had a 10 a.m. wedding over in Atlanta and stood with a little couple, for better, for worse, for rich or poor, in sickness and in health, till death do us part. I pronounce you husband and wife to this little couple embracing their future. And Part of me wants to pat him on the back and go, good luck, right? I mean, it's tough. It's not easy. You know, you're, you're mixing lives and stories and backgrounds and parenting and the whole bit. It's tough. Then this morning at 9 a.m., I did a baby dedication for a precious young couple in my small group that sat right back over there at the last service, and they dedicated their new little one, this beautiful little baby. They dedicated her to the Lord and prayed for the day she met, meets Jesus they're on the front end of parenting. Parenting's tough. That's not like moaning and weeping and gnashing of teeth in the crowd. So I was, I was talking to somebody backstage and they said, how did your kids do in middle school? <laughs> middle school's rough. Middle school's just rough. There are a lot of, I could stand like in the locker room of an NFL team or an NBA team or a Major League Baseball team and be as confident as confident can be. Put me behind a middle school bus at a stoplight 
and I feel very insecure. Because middle schoolers have an ability to find what you're most insecure about and make fun of you for it, all right? And so I see them making fun of me, and I just look down. I just look down. Parenting's tough. If we don't have his resurrection power in us, how in the world are we going to make it? So I want you to write in two words. We're going to do a little theology here. Holy Spirit. I should write that down. Holy Spirit. God the Father, the triune God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three in one. Three distinct personalities, one Godhead. When Jesus was leaving the earth, John 17, he looks at his disciples and said, there's coming one even greater than I who can do things I cannot do. He's your counselor, he's your advocate. That blew all their circuits. They didn't know what to do with that. He was speaking of the Holy Spirit. Why could he say the Holy Spirit was greater than he was? Because Jesus physically, while he was here on this earth, get this now, while he was physically on this earth before the resurrection, he could be in one place at one time. Like if he was in Galilee, he was in Galilee. He was not in Nazareth. He was not at, um, he was not in Capernaum. He was in where he was, where his feet were. When the Holy Spirit comes, The minute you're in a service and you're praying and you say, Jesus, I say yes to you today, the Holy Spirit indwells you immediately. Like he takes up residence in your life and he isn't moving out. He's not there because all the good you can do and you can't lose him because all the bad you can do. He takes up residence in your life. The power of the Holy Spirit in your life will be determined by how you plug into him on a day-by-day basis. Does this make sense to everybody? Some people, all in. They plug in, buddy, in their life. You're like, God, I wish I could be like them. Well, you could. They just choose to walk with him every day. Others of us have that Holy Spirit take up residence in our lives, but we never plug in, so our light never shines. There's a Christian movie that, that comes on every Christmas. I think it was called Christmas Vacation. I think it's the name of the movie. And so you remember, you remember when Chevy Chase was trying to light up his house? You remember this old scene? And he plugs it in, and he's, he's got his kids running around, and he's nailed up all his stuff, and he can't get the lights to come on. He can't get the lights to come on. And finally they find out that it was never, what, plugged in. Well, that's our lives sometimes, isn't it? There is a power, get this, if the resurrection's true, there's a power that we have access to that flows through our lives that gets us through this life. Number two, not only is there a power, I can have forgiveness of my sins. If Christ has not been raised, I want you to think about this. Think of a courtroom. My favorite kinds of movies are courtroom dramas. I love a good behind sports movies. But anyway, so great courtroom drama. Read this with me. If Christ has not been raised, you are still, help me with the next word. 
It's a judge pronouncing you guilty as charged. You are guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died and believing in Christ are lost. I don't think any of us are going to dispute sin. I think we just forget the cost of sin. All I know is it's got to be paid for by somebody. So, if you grew up around the Kennesaw area, there used to be a little store in downtown Kennesaw right after you go through downtown, going away from downtown, you go over the railroad tracks on the road there. It used to be called the General Store. How many of y'all remember the General Store? Any of y'all local yokels been around a while? All right. So let me tell you the way General Store worked. General Store was just a godsend in my family in that, in that time of life because we didn't have any money. And so it was, it was great because I could pull in the General Store and I could fill up with gas. And they had the greatest cold sandwiches you've ever had in your life. And so I would go in and grab a cold sandwich, grab a bag of chips, cheese Danish, all right? And I would go get those things and I would go out and Miss Peggy, Peggy Gibson ran it, her and her husband Ron, they owned it and they were parents of some students in my student ministry and they were so sweet to me because when I would go through, I never had to pay. I would just sign the little, they would give me the little credit sheet. This doesn't happen anymore. They'd give me a little credit sheet and I'd just sign the tab in the day. It was awesome. And it was so awesome, you forgot how much you went by. Awesome, all right? You know what I'm talking about? And so I remember vividly, and I looked at Ann last service and thankfully she's not here to give me the look she gave me last service. I remember vividly driving through on a Friday and I pulled in, I'm like, we need to get some gas. Let's pull in Mr. Ron's and Miss Peggy's gas station here and we'll, we'll get a fill up and I'll run in and grab something to drink. Cause why, it doesn't cost me anything, right? And so I'm gonna run in and grab something and I remember Miss Peggy coming out and she's got like a stack of, 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 of uh, tabs. She's just popping against her hand when she walked out. And I thought, well, that's something. She must be hot. She's just waving that in front of her, <laughs> waving that in front of her face. She's just a little hot and she comes out and I'll never forget. So every time I come in, she'd say, preacher. That's what she'd always call me, preacher. I was just a youth pastor, but preacher. I was like, good to see you, Miss Peggy. Good to see you too. Time to pay up. <laughs> Dear God in heaven, would you please cover my tab that I have raised here at this, this general store? I remember her handing that stack of receipts to us. And I remember a look and gave me of, not the love that was shared at the altar on the day of her wedding, but that look of, I'm gonna kill you when we leave this place. <laughs> Why? Because that debt had to be what? Can you imagine the debt's gonna be paid at the end of your life? What kind of account you run up? Can you imagine rolling down the wind at the end of your life? Going, all right, it's time to pay up. Ain't enough good in the world to pay that up. If the resurrection's true, paid in full. 
Listen to what Paul, the way Paul wrote it to the church at Ephesus. He's so rich in kindness and grace, he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and he forgave our sins. He took your debt and went, paid in full, paid in full, paid in full, paid in full. Such which does two things. Number one, it makes me incredibly thankful. You know how thankful I would have been that Friday if she'd have walked out and said, preacher, you've run up quite a debt, but so-and-so came by and they paid it off for you. That'd have been awesome. That didn't happen, but it's just duly noted. But it would have been great. Somebody had to pay. If Jesus is real and he did what he said he was going to do, he died on this on that Friday, on the cross for your sins, and he got up on Sunday to win the battle with death, and you are forgiven both now and forever. You will not leave earth and get to heaven and God go, okay, debtor line's over there, you earn credit, you're over here. It doesn't work like that. It's welcome home. Which begs the question then, if that's true of my life, and I believe it, why in the world do I live poor now? and not like I have a glorious inheritance in heaven. You know what happens with that resurrecting faith? I actually begin to live like I believe it. The sad part is, for some of us, our faith looks exactly the same Monday to Saturday as everybody else's who doesn't go to church. We worry, we have doubts, we have questions, we have, we're scared, we don't trust. If the resurrection is real, it changes everything. Number three, I can have assurance of my future. This is a fact. We aren't all going to live here forever. That's a fact. Paul says it this way. If our hope is in Christ is only for this life, we're more to be pitied than anyone in this world. Because there is something to come. Peter said it this way. Peter that denied him, remember by the fire, but saw the resurrected Savior. He said, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with a great expectation. And we have a priceless inheritance. Inheritance that's kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. If the resurrection's true, there is no fear of death. Because all we're going to do is close our eyes here and we're going to open our eyes there to the home that we've all longed for. That's what a believer believes. We can't lose. To live as Christ, to die as gain, as Paul said. Socrates, the great philosopher, was asked by some of his followers on his deathbed. The question was, shall we live again? And his answer was, I hope so. When it's fourth quarter and there's 10 seconds left on the clock, I hope I'm not a hope so. I hope I'm a no so. Oh yeah, I know. I have sat 
I, I can't even tell you now, by so many beds of people that are phasing from this life to the next life, holding their hand, going, you're about to see things you've always sung about, read about, and dreamed about. You're about to see them in HD. Not I hope so, but the resurrection says, I know so. Where are you today? Do you have a hope so faith? I, th I think, Mike, I don't know. And my prayer for your life, the resurrected faith is a Yes. Yes. I know. And I'm going to live now like I'm going to live forever. And my life's going to look different. My faith's going to be more contagious. Because I really believe the resurrection is real. Would you pray with me? Nobody moving in any of our rooms right now. Theater, compass. Maybe you're in here today and you say, Mike, I'm a hope so person. I go to church. But Mike, I don't I hope. But I don't know. But I want to know. I want to leave here today with the assurance that Jesus is my Lord and my debt is paid in full and I've accepted what he did for me. There's some of you right now, you are in a spiritual wrestling match in your seat. But you got a hoping. You want to know. Can I lead you in a prayer to meet him? Could I? goes like this. Dear Lord Jesus, would you pray this with me? I believe in you. I believe you lived for me. I believe you died for me. And I believe you rose again just for me. Resurrected Jesus, would you step into my heart now and be my personal Lord and Savior today? Boy, if you prayed that prayer with me this morning, welcome home little card that you were told about at the beginning, you can fill that out, drop it in a bat, drop it in the lift sent box on the way out. If you're watching online, you can just tell the, the online host, Jesus, 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 and they'll know, and they'll help you with what's next. Father, may we be a church that is full of the resurrection power of your son. Father, may it be felt as soon as people walk on campus, because if he lives, it changes everything. 